This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. Welcome to the Invested Podcast, where we are deep into Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger's ways of investing in investments. <laughs> <laughs> That's my new favorite. We, do, we don't Investing in investments. Right on. So I, I said that because often when we started, we're talking about stocks, which of course we are. But... There's all sorts of good investments out there. And I was fascinated in one of Munger's or uh, Buffett's letters. I think it, I, I hate it when I'm going to tell you guys I read a letter and I don't know which one it was. You know, I do the same thing, though. It's so hard to remember which one. They all run together when you're reading them together, yep. of course. And yep. they're only called by their year. So it's like impossible to remember. Yep. And so give just, us give us the vague like. What's the five-year range? There you go. You know, we were talking about where bonds were going crazy. We were talking about this not too long ago. And um, bonds were really high. And so that's why Buffett was open to buying bonds. And then, you know, also open to doing merger acquisition kinds of arbitrage we Mm -hmm. we chatted about. And uh, long-term stocks, right? And and now I don't even have a clue why I got onto that. What were we talking about? (laughs) I don't know. We just, oh, why we call it investments. Ah. Because because there's a lot of ways you can go at this. Over the years, um, Warren has widened the the, I guess the category substantially, right? To include real estate, to include farms, to include um, options done a certain kind of way, um, to include man, just just about anything you could put money into would qualify as an investment if you. Particularly if you see that that thing will produce cash flow. And I think yeah. that's the one major, uh, I mean, I, I know that he's done some some commodity stuff in the past, but in general, if if this, in general, he doesn't like gold because it doesn't produce cash. Right? Yeah. yeah. He'd rather have, rather have the gold mining company. Yeah, say. definitely. So is that, is that the only real major category that he might uh, not want to be in, the rest of the world is full of investments, all kinds of investments. And Charlie basically says, we like shooting fish in a barrel. And and that, and that the other way he says it is, you got to fish where the fish are. And that would make sense. Um, so that's kind of a question right now, right? Because the market is just rocketing off into the sky blue yonder. Mm-hmm. The Wilshire GDP, which we've talked about, this ratio of the the price of the market versus you know the actual revenue of what's going on in the whole country, is obscenely high. It's at two hundred and sixteen percent now, and we were lamenting it when it was at one twenty. Yeah, totally. So it's almost double. Where totally. we were feeling like, ooh, this is getting scary, um, being propped up by a a Federal Reserve that is adamantly. Uh, they're they're adamant in their desire to just not raise interest rates and to continue to rock and roll here with this economy until they see inflation through their lens. And since we're having a Federal Reserve meeting today, um, which is going to be a couple weeks before, about two weeks before we 
we post this broadcast, mm -hmm. the Federal Reserve is having a meeting at two o'clock. And I'm just reading Barron's analysis of, of where they think it's going to go. And they're basically saying, you know, really, the Federal Reserve is walking a very, very thin line here in terms of their rhetoric, in terms of what they're actually doing. You know, they're saying, no, no, everything's fine. And we're not going to raise interest rates till after 2023, which is right. Two and a half, two and three quarters years from now, right? 21, 22, that's almost three years from now. Not going to raise interest rates. That That's breathtaking. Yeah, you, I think the line they're walking is con is confidence in this economy, which is massively hit by all the lockdowns across the world and people losing their jobs at such high rates. Like the, the, the real economy is struggling. And they don't want to add to that a Man, crash just, in housing prices or a crash in the stock market. And you just look at these assets, stocks and housing. And here in the United States, I don't know how it's going in Zurich, but here in the United States, it is on fire. I mean, housing? Are you kidding me? I mean, people are people are jumping at the the first chance to buy a, a, a house. It's crazy. I mean, it's here in rural Georgia, it's happening like that. Yeah, I know. It's, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it is like that here as well. <laughs> your sister, it's, your sister and her husband want to buy a house and the, and the market that they're looking in, they're afraid they won't be able to do it. Why? Why? You might ask, not because they don't have great credit, not because they can't get a loan. No, none of those. It's because people are buying them all cash. No yeah. escrow, no wait, just here. Here's the money. You know, I want to close it's in a week. It's been like that, though, for years. Maybe not in Where? Georgia. In not Denver. In, Georgia. in Denver, it has been like that for wow. years. Absolutely. Anybody buying with a mortgage was at a huge disadvantage to all the people who were coming That's in with all crazy. cash. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Honestly, last time I really paid any attention to Denver real estate, and you're talking maybe Boulder, but no, I'm I talking Boulder Denver and Denver. Okay, uh, last really time the I paid whole, serious like, attention yeah. was was your uncle was trying to sell two houses down in Greenwood Village, and he couldn't sell them to save his life. They just sat there for months and months and months and months. I know. Right? So all of and you who have never experienced that side of real estate. It will come back that way and, you know, be be prepared. But yeah, the housing market's going nuts uh, everywhere, really. Right. Housing. Um, I know we're looking at buying a vacation house and it's, you know, it's like get in now because everybody wants a vacation Unbelievable. house. Unbelievable. All of us going through this experience where truly oh, oh, a year ago, I was having the thought, why do we even bother to like have an apartment the size of our apartment when neither of us are ever home. Like, what is the point? We just need like a studio somewhere. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, it turns out we need a mansion because all we do is stay home. And Obviously, that was pre-COVID, that experience. We're <laughs> never what I'm home. Saying. That's yeah. what I'm saying. And I think everyone is going through that exact experience of like, we used to never, ever be home. And it really didn't matter so much how much space you had. 
Um, and now it's like the exact opposite. And I think that's really fueling this change where people uh, combined with with um, remote working being suddenly accepted by companies and even encouraged. So people uh, are to starting to be able to move out of the city. That's what I'm saying. So people are starting to be able to move out of, for example, one of the absolute worst housing places on the face of the earth, San Francisco, most expensive housing market uh it, not the most expensive in the world, but definitely up there. up there. And people are realizing that they, just for an example, can leave San Francisco, go live in Idaho, and have a nice big house, and still make San Francisco money. Like this is this is a huge change, and it's I hope it's going to for the better. Yeah, I, it'll accelerate because we haven't even gotten to where these rural communities, the really little ones, like the one like the one we're in, which is. We're not we're not that far. We're we're you know forty minutes south of the biggest airport in the world, so we're not in the middle of nowhere. But this is a rural community. I mean, you know, it's horsey, and this community is getting faster and faster internet, faster and faster and faster. And when that starts going all the way out into southern Georgia, all the way out into Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi, all through these deeply rural communities, you are going to see this diaspora out of the. Out of the cities continue, I think. People want to raise their kids where it's in less expensive. I mean, the kind of lifestyle you can have with city housing money out yeah. in rural counties. Oh, my gosh. You can live in a wonderful, beautiful house. You can be on acreage. You can have animals. You know, and you can do all the things. I mean, yeah. not that everybody wants that. Um, but, and I think what's you know. really interesting, like for me watching that is looking at data companies, internet companies, what's the infrastructure in 20 years going to look like? That's what I find super interesting to be thinking about. And and the companies that are doing it right now and setting it up. Like, right. It's, um, who's who's going to win there? It's going to be the future uh, utility companies, essentially, of our world. Right, right. They I mean, may even think become about utility think about companies, we, which would be very interesting. And think, I was just, I was just reading uh, deeper into a nuclear power energy company, um, mm. and their argument at their quarterly report. And by the way, just, just as we're talking about this stuff, the, just the process of investing basically says, I hope you're interested in a lot of different things, and you can listen in on or read the transcript of the quarterly reports and the annual reports from these companies. And so, you know, it-, it Question, it, 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 do you prefer to listen or read or both at the same time? I, I prefer by far to read, hmm. by far. It's so much faster. It's way faster. Yeah. It's way, way faster. I can but just I get prefer... through all the BS that everybody always says when they're trying to get some a thought out the door, right? It's like, <laughs> uh, you skip all that. Get down I to feel what like really I have to, to listen in order to like get a sense of what they're saying oh i do listen when i'm getting serious yeah absolutely i want but to get i find a it most helpful to do both read it yeah. while i'm listening because then yeah. i also like force myself to pay attention where but do you get your transcripts um uh, mostly seeking alpha they just got them right there really quickly yeah it's, it's more it's quick it's quicker and deeper than most companies and they they, they put them on the company website too usually Unless yeah, they really some don't want some you to of hear them it. do. I know. Oh. If they don't want you to if they don't want you to notice, then they don't. But I to, think rev.com is doing them for free and I've been I've been using those a little bit. Oh, that's cool. By the way, yeah. big shout out to rev.com. I mean, they they are fantastic. Yeah. What they, they work. do is we send them we send them audio and they get it back within hours. 
you yeah. know, with very cheap. Yeah, back a transcript comes back. So here's my, what okay. I was going to say. So is sorry, I just I process, always have to ask the process questions. <laughs> well, this is a process and part of yeah. the practice, right? Is yeah. that you read this stuff and all of a sudden it dawns on you that these guys are talking about something you didn't think about that is going to be a huge impact on the future, right? So if you if oh wait a let's second, say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about in particular, well, in general. Reading different kinds of companies, quarterly reports may pop ideas into your head that you would have oh, never got had. It. Yes. Okay. But in this specific, it, it's you're reading a, a nuclear power company, right? So they have an axe to grind. They're they're all about nuclear power. <laughs> yes. All right. So knowing that, you <laughs> I just got to, yeah. <laughs> but they present. But what they do is what's real beautiful about capitalism and, and a free market is that you're going to get opinions from people who have a reason to give you that opinion. And they're going to try to back it up with as much data as they can. So you'll believe them, right? So, I mean, sometimes they're lying, but often they're telling the truth and their truth is maybe politically incorrect. Okay, so here's an example of that. Okay. These guys laid out the, the actual data for how much oil and gas and coal is required to produce energy. How much in the United States? What would you guess? at this point in time. I couldn't even begin to... 80%. No clue. Wait a second. I thought you were... Okay, wait. 80% of what? 80% of the energy being produced in the U.S. is driven by oil, gas, and coal. Oh, okay. I okay. thought you were setting it up differently. Now, so, so what you're saying is the what percentage of the overall energy? Grid, yeah. The whole energy grid. Okay. What percent is, is driven by pollutants, and stuff that runs. So you're out. saying the other options are electricity and nuclear. No, this this electricity. <laughs> what are you See, talking about? <laughs> oil and gas produces electricity. They have they have generators driven by oil, diesel, gas, natural gas. Yeah. Right. They drive turbines with it, and that produces energy. Generators. Okay. All right. Right. Okay. So so for example, the we just get hit by lightning about an hour ago here at the house and it snapped off the power and we have a generator mm -hmm. that is based on propane mm -hmm. and it immediately kicks in when power goes out here because we're out in the sticks and that generator is generating mm -hmm. power mm -hmm. electricity yes understood right? so electricity yeah. isn't a source of electricity electricity has got to come from someplace okay right on so let's move on while you absorb this lesson of life to my concept of the energy grid. <laughs> right. <laughs> so if if oil and gas and coal are 80% of what according to electricity, a company that competes against oil and gas and coal. Yes. Um, and, and, and so you, you might argue the data, but basically it's a large amount of the energy grid is oil, gas, and coal. Okay. And then they go to the next step, which is, and California is going to be oil, gas, coal free by... 2050 or Europe is going to be oil gas coal free by XYZ or India is or China is right so what, these what do you governments mean? They're just saying that no they're not just saying that the governments and, and and they point out that Joe Biden just went and got back into the Paris Accords for climate change in other words there's this enormous social uh, event going on to reduce as rapidly as possible the source of energy from pollutants. 
oil, gas, sure. and coal. Sure. Everybody's okay. aware of this. All right. So these guys are making that their case. They're, they're going, oh, and by the way, it's impossible. You can't do it given the energy sources that exist in the world today, meaning solar, wind, water, right? You can't come close to re at any price, you can't come close to reducing the footprint of oil, gas, and coal to any kind of level that they want to. Any kind of level that these these are demands that this will happen. Okay. I without, doubt that, but without, we can move on. Without uh -huh. nuclear power. Okay. You have to have nuclear power. And then they proceeded, which is, of course, a problem. If, if you know, there's a big split in the green movement between those that think nuclear power is a pollutant and those who don't. Definitely. Right? So they point out that China has gone just in the last, just since Fukushima, where, you know, Germany said no more nuclear power. China has doubled the number of reactors that mm. they have brought online. Mm. So they not just build them, they're online now. And will double again and will double again. Their estimate is that China needs about 200 of these things in order to produce enough power to meet the the expectation that they're going to be um, uh, disconnected from from coal and, and oil and gas. So what did all of that add up for you? What it added up for me is that I should be, it sort of triggered when we were saying, talking about, you know, the future uh, kinds of companies are going to do well as we go toward, let's say, uh, a massive infrastructure change in rural America to bring internet out to rural America. What companies will be doing that? Hmm. And I thought the same thing exactly. I just read about this. Wow. What if these guys are right and they are insisting they are 100% right, it's not even a close call, that you can't do it without nuclear power and that mm. their estimate is that the Biden administration is going to be warmer toward nuclear power now as a result of the Paris Accords. So I'm-, I'm But so I'm, basically the takeaway, that's all from a company that's talking itself up, right? So that's right. obvious. But the really interesting takeaway, I think, is what you're saying that- the future of energy is going to be different. And maybe it's nuclear. Maybe this nuclear company is right about itself. Or maybe they're not. Maybe it's something else. But maybe something else comes out of the woodwork, Definitely right? the, the movement is towards less of those fossil fuels. And that's certainly right. what the Paris Accords require. I mean, so, maybe they or actually not really require. It? It's Hydrogen? actually a voluntary choice. But that's right. Different. So maybe they so, figure out a way to do nuclear fusion instead of fission or whichever way it is one of those is one of those is uh, not yet really, a perfected thing yeah. and the other one is and one's there's some really interesting not. stuff around nuclear and i swear i am blanking on the details of this so like don't listen to me but i swear there's some article i read about like our favorite guy Elon Musk or some similar styled billionaire person working on nuclear in a very like, but making like safe nuclear, quote unquote, um, so that there's no Fukushima style disaster. Yeah. God, where did I get that from? It was super interesting. Oh, well, maybe I'll figure it out and I'll email it out to everybody on my email list. Join my email list at daniellepound.com. Well, How about that? On that point, I just, I just Googled this, this little quick question and basically Musk did go on Twitter. And said, um, we have a giant fusion reactor in the sky that works with no maintenance. Okay, that is not what I was thinking of. <laughs> Are you kidding In other words, me? the sun. 
But this is not to say Elon's that not pitching his book 100% as well. percent not what I was thinking. Of. I mean, Elon owns right now. Now Tesla owns Solar, Solar, Solar City. Is it Solar something? <laughs> Tesla owns them, and they're going to. By the way, I don't know if you've seen this, but man, they're putting these architectural tiles on roofs now. I thought this was still something in the future, but they're putting architectural tiles on roofs that are solar panels. And they look like roof tiles. They look. They don't look anything. Oh, like you mean solar like panels. solar panels that look really nice, basically? Yes, and do the job, and will never go bad. Kind of a well, thing. Well, that sounds great. I know, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, they're beautiful. They have all sorts of architectural quality to them, and yet, you know, they'll light up your house and part of your city. Which I mean, is, I'm not sure hmm. anybody really had a problem with the way solar panels look. Maybe some people do. Oh, yeah. They're not the prettiest. That, that's a thing. I think it's more the cost. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, yeah, we're not so. talking cost here. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the repayment, the repayment. But of course, you have the argument would be you have to calculate in the um, like what is the cost of having the Earth die? Of course. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Danielle just fell out of her chair laughing at me. <laughs> That is Fine. the cost. That's right. Fine, Fine laughing, Dad. I think father. that I'm not laughing at you. I think it's brilliant. I think that you should quit everything you're doing and go to work for Solar City and tell them you'll be their best salesman that they've ever had. <laughs> so fascinating. Just oh guilt people. Do you want these for twenty thousand dollars, or do you want the Earth to die? <laughs> And they'll be like, you know, that's a. I think that was the pitch made by that girl in at the UN. I think pretty much that sixteen oh, Greta? Year old that came out. Greta, yeah, that was her pitch right there. That is basically powerful, her pitch. You're right. Very powerful pitch. We should very all emotional. row ourselves across the ocean and uh, try to make the Earth not die. I know we should. That's it. And, yeah, and th- so I guess basically the point is, and you know what? Nobody disagrees with that. Nobody's, <laughs> Nobody's like, wait that. a second. <laughs> I am excited for the Earth to die. I'm going to go live on Mars in Elon right. Musk's uh, right. Mars community. So I'm good. Well, before maybe Elon Musk feels like that. Uh, before you get too thrilled about going to live on Mars, I recommend you you look at the pictures of Mars that have come back from Oh, the I haven't rovers. seen them. Oh, it's bleak out there. <laughs> <laughs> there and there's, it's like, what were you, you know, expecting? if you were to go into... Well, I don't know. If you go to Saudi Arabia, you know, you go to Wadi Rum, you're you're looking at one of the most incredible landscapes on the earth. Or if you go That's to the edge true. of the Grand Canyon, it's just spectacular. And as the light changes, it's just like this unbelievable. I, I hope that somebody can clue me into that part of what they're sending back from Mars because I haven't seen it yet. What I've seen is unrelenting, boring <laughs> desert. That's what it looks like to me. Oh, Dad, and mud pat mud patches. There's mud on Mars. Water, clearly oh, wow. water dried out. I mean, 
You look at that. Have you ever been in the oh, desert? Oh, there was you, mud on Mars. Okay, got yeah. it. I was like, I that sounds really important. <laughs> yeah, I think I think they they're starting to find that there was water there. All um, right, have you seen The Martian, Dad? The movie? I have. That That's what good. Mars does. It does it look like Mars in the movie? Well, I, I said I have. I watched a little bit of Matt Damon, and then I sort of got bored because I read the book, and it was really good. Oh, the book is so yeah, also it's hard to make a movie as good. as Huge that. recommendation: the audiobook is so good. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Like even if you've read the book, the audiobook is really, really good. Also, sadly, the follow-up book, Artemis, not good. Not good. Not good. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Okay. Well, but while while we're on audiobooks, just real real quickly. Yeah. I am rereading via audiobook the Seven Pillars of Wisdom. Oh. Which is probably why the word Wadi Room popped into my head. <laughs> I was wondering where that came from. <laughs> which was a major part of the the whole guerrilla war that that uh that lawrence right d.e lawrence created lawrence of arabia lawrence anyway phenomenal incredible adventure followed by and and one of the most incredible philosophical books about about life and about you know wow i mean i just and it's good as an audiobook great as an audiobook it's read by lawrence no what yes I, i think that happen? I, maybe I can't. Maybe I can't back that up. But whoever read it is such a bad reader that I thought it has to be Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a you, great audiobook, but not. You really read have well. to get used to listening to this person's voice. This guy is like, oh, it's got to be Lawrence. <laughs> and they did have they did have recordings in 1930s when you know. So he, they could have could well have read it out. Okay, to wrap up our futurist discussion, how do you, in your mind, as an investor who focuses on real numbers, real uh, pricing, real valuation, real what's the management doing, everything's very, like, concrete. Mm -hmm. How do you, as an investor think about these big far off questions of what's our world going to look like in 20 years not even getting to the point of like which company is going to win the internet data whatever but like how much do you think about that stuff well i i think about it in just in this context and that is if if you had known that you should invest in ibm in the 1950s for example um how would you have done compared to say buying an old stayed railroad stock right railroads were getting dumped and the future of commerce was air air travel and air freight and ibm was was clearly the future they did they were making a computer and it was amazing and if you'd bought ibm versus railroads and you would have crushed it with the railroads you would have crushed the ibm returns and that's just the nature of, of uh, speculation. And the market is loaded with speculators who want to bet on the future. And so, and all they remember, of course, is their winners, just like gamblers in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I put my money into Amazon. I, I, Tim Ferriss, God bless him, is my favorite guy out there for podcasts and stuff. And, and, and I love the guy. Um, and all you hear are, you know, you're going to hear the winners. And, and if you invest in enough stuff as an angel investor, as Tim has, you're going to have some winners. And then you can brag about those. 
But overall, good luck because all those losers can bring you down and you just don't know. Also, I'd add that Warren Buffett was introduced to Jeff Bezos back in the middle 90s. Bezos is a brilliant guy. We've talked about this before. He's not just some guy in a garage in Seattle, right? He was in uh, wherever Renaissance is hanging out. I forget. It's Connecticut, I think. He was a Renaissance guy. He was one of these 300 rocket scientists who were being recruited because of their enormous math and science skills and genius IQs to apply those to uh, trading. And Renaissance are a bunch of guys who compounded money at 75% a year for 20 years. Mm. I mean, just seriously, the best investors in the world. <clears throat> and Bezos asked his, bo his boss, uh, the guy, one of the guys that started the company, if that they've been looking at this idea of books online and could, you know, and he thought, you know what, I think I can really make something out of this. Do you, do you guys mind if I run with this? And the, the owners basically said, Hey, go for it. And he said, what, what part of the ownership of this do you want? And they said, none, none of it. You just go, go and do it. And so Bezos drove across the United States and figured out how he would build Amazon. Hmm. And Buffett, Buffett, yeah, Buffett knew about him. Buffett met him in Seattle. Buffett looked at what he was doing. Buffett looked at what the other 30 guys were doing and couldn't pick Bezos as a, as a sure winner. And, and the, the discipline of this style of investing is to get as close to certainty as we can get. And you know when you're not close. I mean, right? You know when you're, it could be this or it could be that. You know you're making a bet. And we don't like to make bets. We like, we like sure things, you know? And so what again, I hear again, you I'm, saying is that you're focused on the actual companies and you, you really don't think that much about what's going to happen generally in the future. Huh? No, I... <laughs> I don't think you can think about what's going to happen. What's going to happen to this company apart from what you think is going to happen in the future, generally, right? I mean, you have to understand that there are broad trends going on, for sure, because you're effectively looking out farther. Than, I mean, most investors, most people who call themselves investors, are thinking in ninety-day chunks. Okay. Yeah. Um, but if you're looking out and saying, "Okay, in ten years, this is going to be bigger than it is today," then certainly you have to be looking at the moat challenges that what's what's coming up against this moat so if you're if you're interested in oil and gas are are you thinking these are really a bargain or are you thinking wow the challenges to the oil and gas moat are so severe that i don't need to be putting my money in here because i don't know where this is going to be in 10 years so See maybe on, an, on a more like industry level you tend to think sure. about it you yeah. have to yeah i do think about it like that but ideally you want to look at stuff that isn't going to change. In other words, are, are they going to change how much people eat chocolate, you know, in the next 30 years? Or how much people drink Coca-Cola or, right? Are those things going to radically change over the next 30 yeah. years? But those I are also, two examples like Buffett could, right? also did say that he really made a mistake by not investing in Amazon years ago. Not at the beginning, yeah. not at the beginning. But after it had proven himself, after the company had proven itself to be more than a book seller online, uh, I think they had probably already started AWS. And that's when Buffett said, I should have, uh, I should have bought it. And he just, right. you know, he wasn't sure what it was really worth, basically, is what he said. Right. That's and the catch. That's yeah. the catch. Is that these things get bid up but by I the think enthusiasts, seen, right? Seen you want to buy Tesla right now? 
do I know? <laughs> yeah, why not? No. I mean, it's obviously wonderful and obviously changing the world and it owns Solar City or whatever. And I mean, how cool would it be to own that, right? So the people who think they're investors who own it because how cool is it? I'm putting my money where my mouth is. Yeah, that's, I mean, to, yes. I mean, that's one way to think about it. Yeah, how cool is it for sure? Um, I'm sort of intrigued again by the Amazon like what is what is the future what are what is, what are we going to need in a few years and then they go and they do that and having a company that thinks like that is super interesting to me and that, exciting that is super interesting super exciting and and I'm just going for more boring stuff <laughs> it's just i here's here's what i want i want this kind of amazing degree of boredom where if I buy a house across the street to rent out, <laughs> you know this, right? I've told you this so many times, is I want to buy it so that it's paying me 10% per year of the purchase price. And then I'm not particularly going to worry about whether real estate's going up or down over the next four or five years. I don't care. I mean, I may never care because I'm, I live in a part of the, of the county that is as far as I can tell, only going to improve and become more and more valuable as people expand out of Atlanta. Um, it's a really well-run county, it, and they don't make land like this anymore. So I feel like it's got a huge moat by, by virtue of its location. And if I can get paid 10% a year, I know that as time goes along, there's this natural almost gravity of economics that says inflation is going to increase. In fact, the Federal Reserve is intending to increase inflation at 2% a year. Yeah. So yeah. I know my rents are going to go up. Yeah. Right? So I want that level of comfort and certainty in a business that I own. That that that's That's my lodestone. That's my North Star right there. So when I buy a company, I want to feel about it like I feel about that house in terms of the certainty that I have that it'll be more productive, higher rents, more money coming in in 10 years than it is today. And today, totally I'm buying agree. it for a price that reflects 10% a year yield, and I'll take that deal. That's how I want it. Yeah, 100% agree. And cool. I think there's a lot of companies that are looking way into the future that have those kinds of attributes. And I think it's uh, when you're looking at stuff like agree. like oil and gas companies, like that might be cheap. I don't know if they are. I don't follow them at all. But maybe they're cheap right now. Um, that's an, an industry as a whole that I would have. Yeah, like you said, like not really sure what's going to happen to its mode in right. the future. You, you, you always have to distinguish, you know, maybe cheap, maybe cheap for a reason. Right. In which case it's not cheap. Right. You might be paying way too much. Right. Right. Okay, good. So there we go. Okay. I, Sounds good. I hope that this, <laughs> I feel like we were all over the place and I know that um, we were, we had a plan for this podcast and it, it didn't happen. But I thought that was pretty cool. I thought we we talked about some <laughs> cool stuff. Just because yeah. we have an idea doesn't mean we need to go with the idea. That's right. That's right. So you guys, shoot us some more questions. We love the questions and we'll try to get to more of them and more of them and more of them. Um, fire us a question keep it relatively short so we can play the whole tape and then we'll try to get you on the air sounds cool. good Until thanks then. everybody Time bye to play. see ya hi guys thanks for listening to Invested if you enjoyed this episode and you want more information or to listen to additional episodes visit our website at investedpodcast.com 
and sign up for my virtual workshop right there. Spots are definitely limited for this event. I'm not kidding. They really are. They sell out very quickly. So everything discussed on this podcast, by the way, is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion. And I'm really important. It's not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your financial advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So remember that you're on your own here. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only. And I really hope you enjoyed it.